Welcome back, Dawkin and all. Episode number 10. Corey, congratulations. We made it 10 full episodes doing this podcast. How does that make you feel? Uh, wow, you put me on the spot. 10 episodes. How does it make me feel? Uh, it makes... we, used have, we used to have the podcast with our fantasy football league, and I think we made it six, and that was really time consuming. We, we did a really deep dive into 12, a 12-member 12, a 12 league for 12 listeners. Uh, I think we've brought our horizons a good bit. Uh, I think we've done a fairly, well, fairly decent job what we're doing here. Uh, we're going to keep trucking. Um, but, hey, if it works out, it works out. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, I think that we have morphed. What was the name of the old show? Uh, uh, Strong Side of Ranch or something like that. Strong Side of Ranch, yeah. So, I mean, uh, we have, we've changed names. We've changed audiences. We've changed topics. Um, I think that it goes to prove a couple things. Number one is, Doc and Law, we are the most versatile podcast in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cover everything from international sports, horse racing, uh, college football, NFL, baseball, NASCAR. We're bringing that back today. And um, soccer, soccer we, back today. Soccer, soccer. We cover everything. Um, and then the other thing I think it goes to show uh, is that people are just hungry for this stuff. I, I, I mentioned to our new uh, social media marketing director, uh, Carrie, you know, we were talking the other day and I said, you know, Degenerates will listen to 14,000 podcasts to find one winner if they have to. Yep. So uh, there's a market for this, and uh, hopefully people are enjoying the content. Again, uh, feel free to uh, interact with us, reach out to us, Doc and the Law Pod on Instagram. Um, possibly a Twitter page coming soon for people who are uh, tweeters. Um, and then, uh, you know, eventually, hopefully, working towards maybe a website uh, oh boy. where we can put our picks up. And uh, never going to be anything that we're asking people to pay for, but hopefully just giving uh, winners for the people. So uh, uh, Speaking of that, we had mentioned that earlier about giving winners. You know what we could just do? We could just give out West Virginia. Excuse me. We could give out the team playing Kansas every week, and that would be our only pick, and we'd be batting it 100% every single time. That's a great point. I, you know, uh, what was it? Two years ago, it was first half Bama. Last year, it was first half Clemson. This year, it's just just Kansas. It's just, just, fake, playing Kansas. just fake Kansas. You can take full game, team total over. It doesn't matter. Just pick a bet, take it against Kansas. Yep. Uh, quick recap before we jump into a few few things going on the weekend. Uh, me and you, uh, we had some Wednesday night football this week. Uh, Coastal Carolina taking on Louisiana Lafayette. I keep the Lafayette on. I'm old school. Um, but we both were on the Chanticleers, and they got home for us. Both had them. I think we both had them. For some reason, that was a weird line. We got it seven and a half. And I remember checking right before kickoff, and it jumped all the way up to nine and a half, pushing ten. Uh, and something was fishy. There was no issues with COVID. Uh, I had me personally. I've watched Coastal play several games. I know we've been on them several times this year. They're a good football team, man. Like we said last week, I think they should be ranked uh, with all these teams still missing. Uh, good, they're. I mean, they're fun. They got the option, but you know what? They're also going to throw it down the field. Uh, that's a good Louisiana team that they beat. We were both on them, uh, plus seven and a half, plus nine and a half, and the money line, and they got home for us Wednesday night. So that was a, that was actually a really fun football game to watch. Oh, it really was. I, I think uh, I think to your point, you know, there's a lot of value in these teams that have success running the ball and can control the clock, which I think is what Coastal did a nice job of. I mean, you know, Lafayette answered three or four different times where Coastal would have a, you know, six, seven-minute drive running down the field, nice option looks. I love the pistol stuff they do. Quarterbacks mobile. That added a, you know, layer to their game. And then Lafayette would score like in 45 seconds. And they keep answering. I think that also goes to show that that game, Fotley, and we'll kind of transition to the Georgia State game. Dude, do you – I mean, is there any situation in 2020 where you would take a college football under – I mean, oh. it is insane right now. I mean, with the number of possessions, how quickly teams are scoring, it doesn't seem like defenses can really keep up. Um, I, I mean, it, it just – the totals are going higher and higher. I think I saw a total last week with ECU South Florida of like 80 or something mm-hmm. great or two yeah. weeks ago. Um, but, I mean, you know, it just uh, – it, it, it just just goes to show you, even in that game where Coastal Carolina was kind of controlling the clock, it's just hard to take an under in college football these days. But, yeah, nice win, uh, plus 10.5. I don't know what that jump right before the the kickoff was. I don't know if that was late money coming in on Lafayette because they thought Coastal would have somebody out or what. Um, but, you know, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, that's a situation where if they got steamed for nothing, you know, some, some COVID hoax, yeah. then take advantage of it. 
Take the team that you thought was better at plus seven and a half, get them at plus ten and a half, and uh, and we rolled with them there. Georgia State, I, I I don't know. I think that was, I think we were just a little off on that one. They didn't look nearly as good um, last night as Arkansas State. Arkansas State's a legit football team. Yeah. And uh, so you know, hopefully we'll pick up a little momentum tonight with uh, SMU um, taking on Tulane, Houston taking on BYU, which is a huge game, yeah. even with national repercussions. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll pick up some steam going in the weekend. Yeah, we'll talk about that towards the end of the show before we get out of here. Uh, if we may be on the opposite side, you like Tulane or you like SMU? I'll let you know later. Okay, that sounds good. Good teaser <laughs> to keep people around in case they really, in case they really need this. Need some Friday night action. Uh, but you know, uh, we had a track meet at Arkansas State on Thursday night. Uh, and the Atlanta Braves also had a, somewhat of a track meet their last two games. Uh First time, game three was a track meet uh, where they got run all over. But you know what? Last night, last night the the Bravos looked pretty good. I'm gonna let you dive into this. I will say this: um, you're more of an avid Braves fan than me. I've always been a Braves fan. I mean, grew up with them. It's one of those things here when you're in the South. It's uh, Southeast, especially. It's the Braves are on every night on Fox Sports South. Uh, you catch games, especially in the summertime. When there's nothing going on. And so growing up, I was watching a ton of them. And here recently, I just haven't watched baseball. Baseball. As you can jump on any national media, they talk about it's boring. But man, like you said, playoff baseball is hard to beat because everything you you're it's every pitch has implications. Um, and I have uh, the past I couldn't watch lot, most of his last night because uh, our junior high football season came to a close, sadly. So uh, <laughs> second year of coaching has ended. Um, but didn't get a chance to watch last night. Night before, really couldn't watch. I'd finish up my last year high practice. So, um, but. Other than that, man, I, I dialed in yesterday when I got home after the game. Uh, this is the most baseball I've watched in five-plus years. And, man, I've really enjoyed it. It's been, it's been fun. I mean, it's good to see the Braves winning and they're on the top. Uh, but it's really been, been a blast having the team you pull for and always pull for uh, looking really good going, to, going into the weekend. Yeah, I'll tell you, man, I I love this team. And, you know, however far they go, I mean, I, I don't know if this is – I don't know with our pitching if this is a team that can legit, like, win four out of seven against the Dodgers and the Rays or the Astros, depending on who wins that series. I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know if you can really win the World Series with, like, two legit frontline starters, one of which didn't even play in the major leagues until this year and had, like, eight starts with Ian Anderson – I don't know if that's something you can do. I mean, I hope it is. Mm -hmm. But, dude, I love this squad. And whenever they finish playing, I'll be sad to see them go. Um, hopefully, you know, the the GM and Snicker can keep a lot of these guys together. Um, but the, the my take on, the, on it is this. I think that with them playing every night, I think baseball is such a psychological game anyway. Mm -hmm. There's something about this Kershaw postseason choking that I think keyed the Braves up last night. Like, yeah. I think that Clayton Kershaw, had he not had all these, you know, come aparts in the World Series and the CS and the DS in the past five or six years, I think if they were facing Kershaw five years ago, I don't know that the Braves touched the ball. I mean, because it wasn't like he was pitching bad last night at all. But, man, you could just see it in the dugout. When they started stringing together a couple hits and they're looking around and mixing it up, which we are doing all over my house these yep. days. We're mixing <laughs> everything up. I mean, when you see that, like, they knew that there was something going on. And so, I'll tell you, psychologically, I think that how high the Dodgers were after finishing game two as well as they did, crushing the Braves in game three, they're probably that low after game four. If they come back and win game five, I'll be super impressed. But, again, it's – you know, we don't even know who the Braves are starting yet. Um, kind of difficult situation. Hopefully, if they if they play a straight-up bullpen game, we better win that game because then if we come back game six, we're going to need – a dogfight from Max Freed. So my pick, which uh, I'm hesitant to even make, I think the Braves closes it out in five, and only because I think the psychological – I'm not going to bet on it. Well, yeah, I will bet on it. But it's a lie. You're a lie. I'll probably end up taking Braves money line and alternate line, and I'll probably take the over. Um, if I, that's all, Those are all leans. Uh, but, but, you know, my, my thought is that the Braves probably finish it out in five. If you flip to the other series, I think the Astros are going to come back and win it in seven, and it's sickening. Mm -hmm. um, but I will say this. My dream scenario is that the Braves go to the World Series and play the Astros because then every non-Astros fan in the we'll world is pulling for Braves. Yes, you got that right. You got and that right. We would, America would be chopping 300 yeah, billion feet. So, <laughs> you'd, feel the world, um, you'd feel the world tilt off its axis. So, yeah, so much exactly. chopping. 
exactly. So anyway, that's uh, that that's kind of my take on baseball. But you know, pivotal game five coming up, and uh, we'll see where how it happens. Yeah, man, it should be fun. All right. So the people have requested before we dive into college football and NFL football. Um, do you have any NASCAR for the weekend? So this is actually kind of funny. So I I, I keep up with NASCAR. Uh, they're coming up on the playoffs. Uh, you know, really the only two dudes who can't really be touched are Kevin Harvick and, and Denny Hamlin. Those guys are going to be in the playoffs. It's looking like Chase Elliott and maybe Martin Truex are going to get up for the last four spots. We'll see what happens. Um, but they're at Kansas this weekend. Uh, Kansas is one of these uh, mile-and-a-half tracks. I think it's actually going to be the last time they race at Kansas, which is I, – I, I heard that. I don't know if that's true, so you'll have to fact-check me on that. Um, but here's what I know about NASCAR coming to Kansas. Um, I think that probably the most consistent driver at Kansas over the past five or six years has been Martin Truex. He's averaged a top-10 finish over the last 10 starts at Kansas, so that's over five years. Um, so Martin Truex is sitting at five to one on the boards where I have him right now. So if you're looking for somebody in that kind of range, um, Martin Truex, I think is a good pick. Uh, I will straight up address this. I know we have one listener. He was a huge Denny Hamlin fan. Um, the model that I use to track NASCAR says Denny Hamlin is the most likely to win this race. But with that said, uh, we're an anti-Denny Hamlin podcast. I'll just go ahead and speak for you because I know you don't have an opinion. I don't like Denny Hamlin. I don't like he's associated with Jordan. I don't understand how some you know backwoods kid from Virginia that's blonde and probably doesn't can't even shoot a basketball somehow starting a racing team with Michael Jordan. He gets to wear a jump man suit. Like none of that makes any sense. I don't like him. I don't like that he wins so much. I, I just don't like Denny Hamlin. I can't really explain why, but I don't like him. So I'm fading Denny Hamlin as I always do. With that said, he is the favorite to win the race. I, where I like to pick is more around the 20 to 40 to 1 window. That's where I usually try to make most of my picks. Um, if you're looking in that window, Alex Bowman runs fantastic at, uh, on half-mile tracks, specifically in Kansas. He's got an average finish in the top 10 as well. I think like probably seventh in the last four runs at Kansas. He's sitting at 22 to 1. He's nice. And then if you want a sentimental pick, uh, Clint Boyer sitting at 50 to 1. He's from Kansas. Um, so it'd be nice to kind of pull for him. He's actually been running decently the last couple uh, weeks. Um, so Clint Boyer sitting there. Also, uh, Kyle Bush, who is out of the playoffs, but I, I don't know how you ever fade Kyle Bush as much as I don't like him either. He's sitting around 20 to 1. So um, my picks this week, I'm going to go with Martin Truex Jr. at 5 to 1. I'm going to go with Alex Bowman at 22 to 1. I'm going to go with Kyle Bush at 20 to 1. And I'm going to go with Clint Boyer at 50 to 1. That's NASCAR talk for you, Tom. Well done there, Corey. Hey, man, uh, you keep keep getting hot on NASCAR. We'll just we've talked about pivoting. We are a golf podcast in the end. Uh, we've talked more about college football and pros, but we're still a golf podcast. Uh, so we are a golf pod. We golf 100%. pod. We're a golf pod, and we toyed with being NASCAR pod. But you get hot with NASCAR. We'll just be a golf and NASCAR pod. And just talk football <laughs> and just roll with it from there. Which, speaking of golf, before we go too far, speaking of golf, I want to let the people know there is kind of a unique opportunity with the CJ Cup right now. Um, so I don't know how this happened, but Justin Thomas, who to start the week was sitting around like eight to one, 10 to one to start the tournament. Um, he didn't have that bad of a day yesterday and I'm pulling my scores up right now. Cause I don't want to give the people, uh, the wrong number, but I think Justin Thomas shot one under yesterday. Last I saw, he was at three under, and then he bogeyed the 16th. So, I don't actually – he finished at even par yesterday. Okay. So, he finished at even par. He's seven off the pace, but Terrell Hatton went on an absolute tear yesterday. I don't think you can trust him to keep putting as well as he did. We've made it known that Xander Shoffley is our pick of the week. He had a nice day yesterday, shot six under. He looked pretty solid. But Justin Thomas has gone somehow on the betting markets from eight to ten to one to 30 to one. So I got him at 30 to 1 live to win this morning. It looks like he's bumped down to 28 to 1 now. But anytime you can have Justin Thomas, who looks good, who was the favorite coming into this week to win after DJ's out at 28 to 1 after the first round, I think you got to jump on that. So um, I'm adding that to my CJ Cup picks. Justin Thomas at 28 to 1 live. Um, I also add a little bit to Lou Oosthuizen. Um, and Jason Day, who also had a nice round yesterday, he's sitting at 50 to 1. So if you want to jump in live, if you didn't hear our podcast the other day and you want to jump in live, that's a couple of places you could go. Also, Brooks Kepka has gone up to 100 to 1. He didn't look terrible yesterday. Daniel Berger also looked kind of good. He's, he's at 66 to 1. Um, so, like you said, we are a golf pod, so trying to give the people some picks for the weekend if they need one. Well done. We're, 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 hey, you know, it's one of those things. We're, we, the grind never sleeps. Uh, you mentioned an off season for us. Uh, and what we may dive into later, but I thought to myself, 
there's no off season. There's no, there is there, no off season. There's, no, there's never an off season for it's. There's something going on every day. Speaking yeah. of s- something else going on, uh, soccer's back from their international break. Uh, I know we both had to uh, play tomorrow morning. Everton Liverpool over three. Uh, jump on that if you want to. Uh, I know we have me and you personally, and several of our friends, part of the GPS Financial Strategies Group, uh, have really enjoyed diving into EPL before college football kicks off, trying to build up those units so we can definitely sparge a little bit later. Um, so that's been fun for us. And college game day is so boring. Same thing every week. So, so true. Uh, go with soccer. Uh, it's fun. Uh, there's no no fans in the stands. Maybe they'll get, get that right. I know in German soccer and Bundesliga there got fans, but EPL does right now. Uh, yeah, another play I'll give out, which I've seen some people talking about, apparently the Atalanta over is like just take it and close your eyes and get, take a nap, and then you wake up and have more money than your account. So apparently Atalanta's playing Napoli. They've had five or more goals in like their last six games, and they're playing Atalanta, and the over's at three, 3.25, I think is what I got it at, or three. Um, so And there's a lot of juice coming in on that. So uh, get the Atalanta over if you want some Italy Serie A. Is it Serie A? I think yeah, I'm, not, I'm not. I don't speak Italian. I don't speak the Italian. You know, but uh, I like Atlanta. Uh, another one that I that I've seen floating around a little bit, which is interesting. Burnley, huge dog playing uh, West Brom, which I think is the worst team in the EPL so far this year. Uh, I'm going to take Burnley plus two hundred to upset West Brom on Monday. That's a nice. Monday EPL action for you. So uh, it usually comes crashing to the ground. So we'll see what happens with the EPL. Yeah, it, it'll, it'll come crashing ground before Monday because we still have to play NFL Sunday. So great. Um, great let's, before we dive into some college football and pro football for the weekend, um, do you have any grill or chills from our sponsor, Gary Queen, you want to shoot out? Oh, great point. So, you know, before we go too far, we want to remind the people uh, of our presenting sponsor, uh, Dairy Queen. You know, we mentioned earlier in the week we had a little bit of a contractual dispute over whether we could actually call them a presenting sponsor since they don't pay us anything. Um, But we've since settled that with our legal teams, and uh, we're happy to bring you our most popular segment, which is Grill and Chill, brought to you by Dairy Queen. It's a little nippy outside, Tom. It's it's a, a high of 60 today in South Carolina. A little bit nippy out there. It's going to be cold tonight for Friday night football. And nothing better when things are getting cold than a chili dog. Oh, love a chili dog when it gets cold outside. But even when it's cold, Tom, you know what they got to do with that blizzard. They got to flip it upside down. And what happens if they don't? Or it's free, baby. It's free. It's free. And they got the fall lineup coming out. So don't. Uh, forget to stop by Dairy Queen for your post-Friday night football treats and eats. Uh, they got everything you need. Again, Grill and Chill brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Dairy Queen. So, Tom, leading it off, are you going to grill or chill that Nick Saban is standing on the sidelines on Saturday? Recent COVID test, but apparently there's some new policy at the University of Alabama that even if you test positive, if you have two negative tests in 24 hours, which I have never I've heard, never of, heard of, never heard of it. Now, that somehow he can be on the sideline <laughs> yeah, coaching. I'm grilling or chilling, he's going to be there. I'm grilling or ch- I'm grilling that he will be on the sideline. Because can you imagine? We talked about this uh, through a little text thread going on. Can you imagine how? Anxious, sure. He said on his Zoom call after he tested positive that he'll be at home watching Yaddy Herb. He'll can do everything from his house. But how anxious he is and how controlling he is. Can you imagine him sitting in front of a TV like us Yahoos watching his the team that he has, has put, devoted his life to for the past nearly 20 years watch and listening to Gary Danielson talk about his football team? No, just just think about that. Can you imagine? And we and I know me and I know you and I know several people who I'm close to have made some really um, interesting remarks about some of the things that Gary Danielson said. Look, Brad Nestor, we love Brad Nestor, close personal friend of the show. Um, had several had several fun occasions with Brad Nestor. Nothing but great things they say about him. But Gary Danielson, I love and, Bourbon and Stogies. Love uh, yes. Bourbon and Stogies. Yes. So, but can you just just Close your eyes and imagine Nick Saban sitting on his couch watching his team take on the number three team in the nation and Gary Danielson rambles on about some stupid tight end lineup. Mispronouncing names. Can you imagine? <laughs> so Nick Saban's going to – they may have to uh, 
They said he can't be in the stadium, but I'm sure the university can find that. They're, I'm sure they got sponsorships with Crane Works. I'm sure they can go get a giant crane and hang him from the top of over the back end zone of Bryant Denny Stadium, and he can still he'll watch the game from there. And he can he'll have. I know they said some communications or something like that, but they, that's that's getting beside the point. They'll find a way to, no, for him to be there. I, I, I agree. He'll, he'll be there. He'll be on the sideline. If, if they have to invent a new test that is more sensitive or less or whatever, that he will be on the sidelines. Got another one for you. Here's one for our fantasy people out there. Um, we're getting in, like we said, we're versatile. We're getting into a little bit of fantasy, but this also has to do with some NFL ramifications. Le'Veon Bell cut by the Jets this week. Unbelievable. I, I like, I, I just, the Jets are such a dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. Here's my question. Does Le'Veon Bell become the Le'Veon Bell of old in Kansas City, or is Le'Veon Bell ruined? You grilling or chilling that Le'Veon Bell becomes the Le'Veon Bell of old in Kansas City? I'm chilling. Uh, I don't think he's going to be what I don't. I don't think he's going to be what he was in Pittsburgh at all. That's a that offense is set up completely different than it was that Pittsburgh offense was. I mean, all you had was when he was up there with Antonio Brown, Big Ben, and a solid. I mean, I'm not saying Kansas City has a bad offensive line. They got a pretty good offensive line. But I think the way that I think uh, Clyde Edwards-Elair sets up better in that offense than Le'Veon Bell does. Um, I don't think he's going to return back to what he was unless he can get behind a stellar offensive line that's going to run the ball. It's I mean, you got to have a versatile quarterback, yes. But I don't think – I mean, you look at that offense, Pat Mahomes is the, is the guy. I think he'd be uh, Le'Veon Bell would be better in offense, more of a mid-pack guy. I mean, maybe I'm not saying he goes to the Titans, but like a Ryan Tannehill esque. Ryan Tannehill can make plays, but that offense relies a ton on what Derrick Henry does for him. I think Le'Veon Bell would thrive in an offense like that, where he's got quarterback can make some plays, but he's got an, but he we know we're going to ground and pound it. No, I, I actually am on the other side here. I, I've watched a couple Jets games because I have Le'Veon Bell in one fantasy league, and I'm actually trying to buy a few more shares of him now, which is probably a humongous mistake. But I think he's still got it. I, I think the Jets are that bad. I think that, like, you watch some of these runs he's had where he gets eight yards, and, like, it's some of the greatest eight-yard runs of all time. I mean, he's breaking, like, five tackles to get eight yards. It's unbelievable. It also, to your point, makes you realize how good that Pittsburgh offensive line probably was because there's no way anybody was as good as he looked in those two or three years in Pittsburgh. Um, so, yeah, I think I, – but I think there's something left there. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, but, again, that's some big news out of the NFL. Le'Veon Bell going to the Chiefs. They're, they just continue to stockpile weapons. Sammy Watkins goes down. They just add Le'Veon Bell. Hell, for all we know, he may end up playing wide receiver for three weeks. I mean, you know, Andy Reid's a genius. Um, we're pro Andy Reid on the pod. So, uh, you know, any any guy who can be that fat and be good at his job, we're very pro that guy. Um, so, uh, you got any griller chills this week? I got one for you, and it's going back to Nick Saban because I, I, the second the news came out, I thought about this. Uh, are you grilling or chilling that Nick Saban getting, getting COVID is a conspiracy? Explain. So, I have several people who I know who currently play college football. Um, where I work, I have that the chance to speak with those individuals. Um, and they have said once you test positive for the virus that you can return, yes. But then you do not test again for 90 days. All right. So, Nick Saban tests positive for COVID-19. On October 14th, 90 days, so three months, puts it at January 14th. That's roughly a week after the national championship that he could technically get tested again. <laughs> so are you insinuating I'm, I'm saying that, that he there te- was potentially a positive test planted? There was planted. a positive test planted so that he can does not have to be tested and cannot test positive at all again until January. Until after Know, the championship. Knowing that there was this bogus two negative test in 24-hour rule that was going to be uncovered. Y- yes, yes. And that he was going to be on the sideline anyway. Yep. So, I, <laughs> let me am, just am say. I, am, I, am, I, am, I, am I am I really – am I that far off? Or is nope, it I'm just, grilling it. Okay. I, I'm, a, I'm, a huge, I'm a huge conspiracist. I'm grilling it. I think that one. I think that, that I can 100% see that being that, be that – or see that being the case – um, I'm grilling that. I think that that is 
it's it's hilarious. It's genius. It's everything that I stand for. Uh, it's manipulation of the system. I absolutely love it. Um, roll Tide, if that's the case, and uh, let's go. Let's go get them on Saturday. So. <laughs> right. All right, all right, Tom. Let's give the people some picks. Let's here. do it. Let's roll into it. All right, Saturday. Saturday, we're rolling into our marquee match at the weekend. We'll get to Alabama, Georgia. Everybody knows uh, that's that's the biggest game of the weekend and potentially the biggest game of the year. Um, initially, looking, uh, we've had several cancellations, which really sucks. I think that you see. Uh, Cincinnati Tulsa gets canceled. I thought that was going to be a really good game. Tulsa plays a really boring brand of football. So does Cincinnati. They both have pretty solid defenses. Uh, I could have seen an upset taking place there. I was going to say I was really looking forward to betting Tulsa on the money line in yeah, that so, game. Uh, so um, that was off the off the board. Um, and then I think another one just got announced or potentially has issues is if again FIU Charlotte got canceled. Uh, that sucks. Cause I was going to take Charlotte. Uh, same, looking forward to taking Charlotte minus six and a half. If I use a mess, so that one got canceled. Then UTEP and Southern Miss get canceled. So that's three that have got canceled. If you look at the board, it's not really nothing really stands out besides that Alabama uh, Georgia game. So let's just dive into a few SEC matchups. Um, Arkansas Ole Miss. Uh, we both watched the Hogs last week as well as the Rebels. Um, right now, Ole Miss opened as a four point favorite. It's going all the way down to a one and a half point favorite uh, over under. Is sitting at 74. I grabbed the over. Man, like you boy talked about earlier, why it's just this day and age. Why in 2020, you just got to take the over. I've, we watched watched both teams. I think Arkansas is getting their uh, – get some guys back from injury. I mean, we saw the Ole Miss offense did to Alabama. I think it's going to be a track meet. Um, I think that 74 is too low. I think one time live Alabama was sitting at, what, 90-something, 90 90-something points live. Uh, I could see this game end up being – Along the lines of 45-42-ish. Uh, Sidewise, man, I'd probably take a little little number on the Hogs. Probably money line there. Uh, just because you've seen the reports Ole Miss has some COVID issues potentially. Uh, Lane's Kiffin said they could play if they had to. Uh, but there's been some issues there. So, that's really – I'm just kind of looking at the total in that game. Anything from you? Yeah, so I actually have already bet that game. I took Arkansas money line. Um, I took our, I got him at even money. I think it's going to go lower than that because I, th- I mean, I think the wrong team was favored here. I think it, you know, I don't know how much it matters, but Arkansas is at home. You talk about a huge flat spot for Ole Miss. Um, the fact that you know Lane Kiffin has probably been prepping his team for that Alabama game since the day he took the job. He, I'm sure, every day in camp he was talking about Alabama and he was talking about you know, oh, they're coming and they got this guy and they got that guy and I got a plan. And I, I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of that going on. Um, so I took Arkansas money line. I'm contemplating taking some alternate lines. I'm kind of getting into this, and we'll talk about this maybe another day. But I'm, I'm getting into some of these alternate lines. I know we got a buddy who does a lot of this, but. I think when the wrong team is favored, right? Like, I mean, you look at the Braves game last night. I took minus one and a half and two and a half and got some nice, um, some nice, you know, odds on that with plus over plus three hundred and over plus five hundred. Um, but I'm looking at it right now. Arkansas minus two and a half is plus one twenty, dude. I mean, could you see Arkansas winning this game by a field goal? I definitely yeah. could. Yeah. If you think Arkansas is going to win by seven points, minus six and a half is plus one seventy. So I think any time that you think the wrong team's favored, if you're going to take a dog on the money line, why not just sprinkle some alternate lines and take whatever you think the margin of victory is going to be? Um, you know, and then if they win by one point, you still win your money line bet. Maybe you make your money back or whatever the case. Um, so I actually took them on the money line, and then I also bet them uh, team total over 36 and a half. I made that bet as well because I just don't think Ole Miss's defense can stop anybody. And I think they actually have may have a COVID thing going on as well. Kiffin kind of mentioned that in a press conference, um, some guys on the defense. So, yeah, I took Arkansas money line and team total over 36 and a half. Uh, let's move a little bit east of Fayetteville and head to Starkville. Uh, Miss State hosting Texas A&M. Texas A&M coming off that huge win against Florida. Right now, A&M sitting in a five-point favorite over under sitting at 55. Um I hate doing this, man, but I'm going back with the Bulldogs again. And I hate doing it, but I think it's a big letdown spot for A&M after one of their biggest wins in, what, five, six years. It's probably their biggest win at A&M since they beat Alabama with Manziel, um, what, eight years ago. So I think it's a letdown spot there. Um, this really ain't the stats base. And before we dive into this one, guys, we're, we're, we're not analytics guys. We're not stats guys. Stats for losers. We're eye tests. 
uh, we, 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 we talk about what we see. So, Kellen Mond away from Kyle Field is not very good. That's that's the cap. It's just a fact. He's not very he's not very good when he's away from uh, A and M when he's away from College Station. Uh, I think Miss State finally. I think they've got a chance to get it right this week. A um, and M runs a little bit different style defense compared to Kentucky, and I don't think they're going to do what Arkansas, Arkansas dropped in zone the whole game. A and M's probably going to rely a little bit more on pressure, uh, and I think that that sets up pretty good for the air raid. I mean, dump it off for five yards down the field to the running back and let him go make plays. Uh, I also think that um, potentially this would be very conspiracy esque again. Uh, Mississippi State saw what A and M did last week with all those people in College Station, and Miss and Startmore was like, nope. Just let them all in. Who cares? Not all of them, but they're going to try and hide it up. And you know what? You know what's one of the annoying sounds of the SEC? Those damn cowbells. The cowbells. And those cowbells get in your head. Uh, I'll probably end up taking a little bit on Mississippi State money line again. Uh, I'll probably get burned again. But you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna roll with the Bulldogs in the air raid this weekend. No, I, I love your I love the handicap on it. Here's kind of my handicap on it is how's Texas A&M going to score points, dude? I mean, I know Mississippi State's offense or, or defense isn't great. But, I mean, their run defense has actually been respectable this year. They stopped LSU, which I didn't think was possible running the ball. They made them one-dimensional. They almost kind of made Kentucky one-dimensional, even though they got their, their you know, dicks kicked in last weekend. Um, but here's the deal. Texas A&M is down, like, their top five pass catchers. Both tight ends are out. Osmond, uh, Jamon Osmond opted out of the season. The uh, white kid who was catching all the passes against Florida last week, I think he tore his ACL. He's out for the season. I I called that one, by the way, live. Yeah. Um, They've had two other receivers go down. You already said Kellamon outside of Kyle Field is not very good. It's probably going to be loud in Starkville, which these guys have not heard a loud stadium in quite some time, especially on the road. So you look at that and you're like, okay, if Texas A&M isn't going to score a lot of points, let's realistically say 24 points, can Mississippi State score 27 points? And here's my here's my take on the Mississippi State offense is, from what I can tell, it looks like A&M runs a 4-2-5, right? So if you run a 4-2-5, where's the weakness of that defense is in the middle of the field underneath. Because if you commit a single linebacker to the run and you play a shell coverage over the top, there's all these windows open between the hashes around 10, 15 yards, which is exactly where Mike Leach likes to live, right? That's, what State, that's what State did against LSU up and down the field. Yeah, and so, so I, I see this being a game. Um, my take on it is probably like – here we go. I'm telling you, uh, I see Mississippi State 24 to 21. Nice. That's my take. That's my take. So, I mean, that would make it under 55. I don't know if I'm going to actually play under 55 because, like I said, I can't really stomach a college football under. Um, but I am. I already played Mississippi State plus six, and uh, we'll talk about it at the end of the, end of the pod. But uh, Mississippi State will definitely be in the round robin, uh, docking the law, money line parlay. Very nice. Uh, moving on to Knoxville. Keep going back east. Um, Tennessee hosting Kentucky. I uh, heard a stat this morning. Kentucky has not won in Knoxville since 84. 17 straight meetings. So, uh, let's absurd. see. That is absurd. Bad. Tennessee sitting in a seven-point fa- – I mean, excuse me, six-point favorite. Over-unders at 45 and a half. Um, I'm probably going to roll with the Cats here. Uh, just because it's shown last week, uh, I don't think Tennessee's up there yet where people want to compare them to the Georgias and the Floridas and the Alabamas. They'll get there eventually. But that Tennessee – uh, line struggled a good bit with Georgia's defensive line, and Kentucky's got a pretty good defensive line. Um, I think that it's going to be low-scoring affair. Um, I probably like we talked about last week. Um, take the with the number, the total being so low, and then we're sitting at what a six-point underdog. Cats may be the play, but I, I probably end up taking the under forty-five and a half. Could see this game being a twenty-one seventeen final. Um, which you take the cats, it's still a cover there, and you hit the under. So um, I'll look for this one to be a little bit slow going. Uh, and we Kentucky's shown that they have not been able to throw the ball at all, but they've also been playing with Terry Wilson. I don't think Terry Wilson is much of a passer. They may try and shuffle things up, put it, bring a new quarterback in. Uh, but I'm probably going to end up rolling with the um, the under here. And sounds like we got a lot, a lot of dogs this week that we really like. So leaning towards the Kentucky money line. Uh, I don't have much to add to that. I, I agree. I think that if you're looking at the spot, this has got to be a letdown spot for Tennessee, right? I mean, you just went to Georgia. They're all hyped up. Biggest game in 20 years. Feels like 90-whatever year. Peerless Price won the national championship. You know, it, smacked. They got smacked in the second half by Georgia. 
it's got to be hard to get a team up to come back home to play a team you've beat 17 straight years at home. Yeah, I just don't see Alabama them. Next, yeah, and, and, and it's a sandwich spot because they're playing Alabama. I just don't – I mean, you look at the spot, you look at the teams, you look at Kentucky got some momentum back by whipping Mississippi State last week, and they're a lot better than their record shows. I think Kentucky actually got a little disrespected, the fact that they're catching six, six-and-a-half points. Um, I went ahead and bought this up to seven. I played Kentucky – Kentucky's going to be in my money line parlay. A little bit different angle on the points. I'm going to probably play the over um, here because I just, I mean, like I said, 45 in a college game. Like, I don't know what the weather's supposed to be like in Knoxville Saturday, but like 45 in a college game, I, I don't see how they, I don't see how this game ends up 24 to 20 or anything like that. I see more, I don't know, but then you're asking a team to score 31 points. So maybe I'll just not play the total, but I definitely play Kentucky and they'll be in the money line parlay too. And we keep bumping east. I think we're going all the way across the Southeastern Conference, uh, starting in Fayetteville. Uh, going to Columbia, South Carolina, where oh, um, the Gamecocks are right now. looks like it's gone on, on my site as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. It was three-and-a-half this morning. Excuse me, underdog. Uh, the Gamecocks are a two-and-a-half-point underdog to the Auburn Tigers. Um, I know what will be on. If you're listening to the show, you know it will be on. Uh, mm-hmm. There will be a money line play. There will be a um, – I mean – Do we even that, need to cap this game? I, I think the people know how we're going to cap this game. I mean, We're going to play South Carolina and we're going to play the money line. It doesn't and, really matter. Auburn is terrible. Their offensive line is garbage. I think that that – I mean, that's the cap. It's Auburn is overhyped. Auburn, if you watch Auburn against Arkansas, sure it was a sloppy game last week. Um, but – Auburn really has not shown a whole lot to anybody. Now, look, they they play Kentucky first game of the year. I think Kentucky shot themselves in the foot enough. Um, they got manhandled by Georgia. Should have lost to Arkansas last week. And then they go to South Carolina. And South Carolina's got a, a decent quarterback this year. And I think maybe South Carolina figured a few things out. And they played Vanderbilt last week. And Vanderbilt's one of those games that the guys on the local radio show here in Birmingham said – when you play Vanderbilt, it's kind of your get-right game. It's not really a practice game, but you, well, honestly, it kind of is a practice game. You can kind of figure some things out against Vanderbilt, and they, they manhandle Vanderbilt. So maybe that's something that gets South Carolina rolling. But, again, listening to the show, you know it's going to be South Carolina money line, South Carolina plus two and a half, three and a half, one and a half, whatever you want to take. Maybe alternate lines, like Corey said. Maybe we'll take Arkansas minus seven. Who knows? Excuse me, South Carolina, South, South Carolina minus seven. So, my bad. Yeah, no, still, still not a lot. I'm always on always on pork sometimes, so you know we talk, <laughs> we talk about we get talk about barbecue. It just never never loses the brain. Uh, before we jump into Alabama and Georgia, some games that really just kind of jumped off. Look, the the cards kind of dwindled a little bit with these cancellations. Uh, I know you've been big on BC this year. Uh, the line's gone all the way up to thirteen. I really don't know. It's so wishy-washy with Virginia Tech. You never know. Like we said last week, you didn't know that 15 players were out until five minutes into the game. Uh, they've had some issues. It's sitting at 13 right now. Maybe that's a money line play to put in a parlay. Um, but that's really about all I got with that one. So I actually wanted to talk a little bit about this because who would – I mean, you know, I know that the public plays uh, favorites. I know that, right? But – like, wouldn't you think that BC would be, like, a trendy dog in this spot? Yeah. I mean, Virginia Tech's had all this trouble. Um, you know, that they have had all these guys out with COVID. They didn't look very good against North Carolina last week, even though I still think if they'd have put Hendon Hooker in the game earlier, I still think they would have won the game. So, it's like they've had all these issues, but yet somehow Virginia Tech opens at 10.5, and, and the line is getting bumped to 13, right? So I dug in, and when I dug in, what I found was this. 57% of the tickets are on Boston College. 70% of the money is on Boston College, yet this line has already gone up two and a half points on Virginia Tech. What that tells me is the people who are betting big enough money to move the line think that Virginia Tech is going to absolutely roll Boston College once they get all their guys back. Boston College has kind of been, if you, I mean, I know we don't dig in a lot into analytics, but as a guy who's been betting Boston College every week and making a lot of money and watching these games, they've kind of been getting lucky. I mean, all, you don't have to look much further than Pittsburgh making a 55-yarder to, at the end of regulation and then missing an extra point to win that game last week. Um, so, I mean, if you look at the stats, it shows that Boston College has been getting lucky. 
they're coming back home to Lane Stadium, which you and I know is – I don't know if care fans are there or not. That's just that's just a cool place. So, uh, I think Virginia Tech is going to absolutely roll Boston College. I'm probably going to take 12 and a half. Um, I'm going to hope that some public money comes in on Boston College tonight um, and that it maybe even gets back down to 12. But uh, I'm going to play Virginia Tech uh, and lay the points here. Well done. That's a lot of research there. Good for you, man. That's very, very, very well done. That's weird for the people because you don't want to say, listen to two yahoos just tell you who they like. You need some, need some background besides. Well, that Kellen Mond bit was pretty. I mean, that, that was Yahoo ish. That but was it, Yahoo ish. But it's I think true. I think it's true because we've watched. Kel, I've watched Kellen Mond for three years, and that's that's. Hey, that's about it. It's about the it. Guys, don't lie, buddy. You got that right. Uh, let's see. Moving on a little bit, a few more. Uh, anything else? Uh, Pittsburgh is at Miami. Uh, 13 and a half point of favorite. Kenny Pickett's out. Apparently having ankle surgery done for the year. Uh, everybody wants to harp about the Pittsburgh defense. I don't think there's much to cry home about. Well, so I'm I think this away. is not, I think this is, I think this is a pretty sharp bounce back spot for Miami. Um, I'm pretty close to making a bet on Miami before this thing goes from 13 and a half to 14. I will tell you right now I'm looking and it looks like actually Pittsburgh is catching way more of the tickets and the money, but this thing's going from nine and a half to 13 and a half. I don't know if, if it hits 14, is that a sharp enough number that people would take uh, the points in Pittsburgh? Um, but I'm pretty close to putting down a bet on minus 13 and a half on Miami. Um, thinking that, uh, thinking that they're going to bounce back and absolutely hammer Pittsburgh here. I think Pittsburgh's kind of running out of gas. Yeah, it works, my man. Uh, some other ones we got here real quickly. Let's just dive in to pick our, make our picks. Uh, Memphis and UCF looks like a pretty solid matchup this weekend. I uh, heard some guys talking. You're probably your best bet is to go with this one live. It's kind of like the Oklahoma-Texas plot last weekend. You could see a team getting up 14 nothing, 21-7, anything like that, and then you could see – see things flip around so that might be your best bet to roll with that one live yeah uh i, I want to play memphis here I, I do i don't know why i just if i'm watching the teams on the field um i think that the way memphis played smu in their loss looked a heck of a lot better than the way ucf played tulsa in their loss so that's kind of my eye test that i'm using against these teams um, I think that over 74 is probably still not high enough. Uh, so I'm tempted to take over 74 and, uh, you know, pop some popcorn and watch this game. But, uh, you know, if you look again, my, my big thing, you know, this is I, I follow the money. And if you follow the money, what it tells you is only 35% of the tickets are going to Memphis. 60% of the money is going to Memphis. Um, but the line is moving towards UCF. So, it's a little bit conflicting because it makes you think that maybe the sharp money is moving towards UCF. Um, but we'll kind of see what this line does over the next 24 hours or so. Um, but I'm tempted to take Memphis before the game starts. Hope, Miss, hope Memphis gets early and then get myself a nice middle and cheer for points. Well done. Uh, and then anything else from some other games? I'm just kind of looking at the card. There's not, not a ton out there. I'll just kind of tell you my thoughts. Uh, if we're looking at um, another game that I know a lot of people are talking about, not a big game as far as national implications, but Louisville, um, Notre Dame, um, I, th this may I may end up sounding like an absolute idiot if somebody records this and plays it back for us in three or four weeks, but I think Notre Dame's imposters. Uh, they played nobody. Florida State ran up and down the field on them last week, and we know how bad Florida State is. Uh, I don't. I guess you know everybody's on Notre Dame, top four team in the country, yada yada, whatever. Um, I don't think Notre Dame's that good, so I think I'm probably going to uh, take 17. I think it's going to get to 17 and a half or 18 points with Louisville. Um, I'm probably going to take those points, and I'm probably going to play Louisville team total over because Louisville can Louisville can score, but they can't stop anybody. And the thing I worry about is if you're giving a team 18 points and they can score like that, and your defense isn't very good, the back door is always open. So I'm probably going to take Louisville in the points. Um, we already talked about South Carolina. Um, we'll talk about the Friday night games last. Uh, we kind of hit on it earlier in the pod, but uh, I think you and I have both already laid 22 points with West Virginia against Kansas. That's just an automatic. We just bet against Kansas. Uh, another one I wanted to ask you about. Do you have any thoughts on Temple this week? No. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, this is one of the most degenerate things I've done in a long time. I actually dug into this a little bit. So Temple is playing U, uh, USF on the road this week. 
Temple, as you know, we played their first game of the year last week. They lost to Navy. They actually came back towards the end of that game. I think they gained some momentum. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, so they're laying 11 points to USF. Uh, I'm probably going to lay 11 with um, – I'm probably going to lay 11 with Temple – uh, over USF. Another one I like is um, I, we were talking about UCF Memphis. Uh, I think I'm probably going to take the team total over uh, with UCF, even though I'm going to probably play Memphis uh, and take the points. Uh, another one, Florida State. Um, I know that Florida State has been dreadful this year. Um, and that they went up, and I think they actually got some things going with the new quarterback. Um, but they're going to be catching two touchdowns at home against UNC. I think UNC is just due for a letdown. It's kind of classic for the ACC for them to go on the road and play a close game. Uh, and then the other one that we didn't really talk much about, Tom, is Bama, Georgia. So uh, Bama opened up, I think, five. The sharp money pushed it up to six. The Saban News has pushed it down to four. I think some sharp guys have bought it back to four, four and a half. Um, what, what are your thoughts here? How are you going to play it? Uh, I, I think over is the play. And I think it's – some guys made some good points. I don't think Saban being out, which we've already discussed, will be there. Probably. Um, I don't think that that's going to have a huge impact on the offense. I think Alabama's still going to put up points. Uh, yes, Georgia's defense is awesome. They've they've been great all year. It's going to be the toughest test for Alabama's offense. But I still think Alabama's offense will be able to still get, get points, get yards, keep things moving. The biggest issue with Saban not being there is going to be defense. And as we've seen last week, Alabama's defense, you can say, well, it was all Miss, all Miss, going to score against everybody. Alabama's defense has had issues from second half Missouri I, we saw it during the A&M game, and we saw it against Ole Miss. They've had some issues. And with Saban not being there, I think that's going to be a problem with Pete Golding. And you've had – and Saban has said we got to simplify things. we got to let the players go make plays. Yes, I agree. But I can see it being a situation where it's back and forth, back and forth. Not like back and forth like Ole Miss and Alabama was, but I could see Georgia putting up some points, Alabama putting up some points. So I think you're – I think your total may be the way to look here. Um, it's sitting right now at a debt. I think the total is, what, 55, something like that. I could see it being a 28-30 type game. Um, I think sidewise, it's sitting at a dead number right now at four, um, which is tough because I want to pull take Alabama. Um, I think a lot has gone into saving his decision-making and what – People were saying, oh, with him being out, this is going to be an issue for Alabama. I personally don't think it will be a problem. Um, I think he has such control over the program and such control over his coordinators where they can handle it fair enough, fine, on the sideline. Um, it'll be a fascinating game to see from our perspective where, as I say, and I say our perspective because I know me personally, and I'm sure you're the same way, you watch a lot of line play, like watching offense, those offensive defensive line battles. Uh, both sides of the ball for Alabama and Georgia. It'll be fascinating to watch that. Um, I think if Alabama can get the run game going, uh, that may be something to look at. Uh, they got it going last week. Now they were playing Hoover High School last week, their defensive line, so it really didn't say a whole lot. Um, that's kind of a diss on Hoover. Um, but I, I want to pull the trigger on Alabama. It may be one of those live spots where if you can get Alabama two, that'd be great after maybe they give early three, or early seven, something like that. Um, but it's tough to go against Saban in this spot where in the past we've seen everybody picking against Alabama. And, I mean, you can take, for instance, the past several years when people were saying Alabama's dead and Alabama's not the Alabama they used to be and yada, yada, yada. And Saban has come back and said, nope, we're still here. Um, so I think it'll be a fascinating game from an offensive line perspective. Um, it'll be a fascinating game watching Alabama's offense versus Georgia's defense from a fan perspective um, and someone who loves the game of football. Uh, it'll be tough to watch from my perspective because my wife will be throwing things at me, blaming uh, Alabama's tackling on me, and I'm sure as a world I'm not out there running tackling drills. So that'll be kind of a fight for my life. I've been through, I've been in several of those uh, in our marriage, uh, really questioning. I may not make it through the evening. 
which which very well could happen Saturday night. So um, I think from a fan of football's perspective, it's going to be great. As the husband of Brittany Millie Gray, um, just hold on to what you got. So there's there's my, there's my cat for those out there. <laughs> that may be one of the top five reviews of a football game that I've heard maybe ever. Uh, his his just uh, teasing peas up for Thomas on Saturday because this may be it for him. So uh, we'll just see what happens. No, I think real quick. I think my thoughts on it. I think it's going to be a get right game for Alabama's defense. Um, I don't know what Georgia offense everyone has seen with the Stetson Bennett kid that makes anybody think that they're going to roll in Tuscaloosa and hang 30 points on Alabama. Um, that if we're talking about a total of 54 points, uh, you know, then what does that make it like a 28-24 game? I mean, like in what world is Georgia going to score 28 on Alabama's defenses? I think reports of the de- Alabama defense's demise have been greatly overstated. I think that Saban will be there. I think the defense will get right. I think that this is not a – this is not a, a trickeration, line up fast, 10,000 formations, quarterback running around kind of game. This is like a hand-on-the-ground, white-knuckle trenches kind of game. I mean, Georgia lines up in the eye, for God's sakes. So, you know, I mean, I think that uh, Jim Chaney's going to have some stuff for him. Even with that said, uh, I see Bama winning by seven-plus. Uh, I also see potentially the overhitting like you. Um, I see Bama maybe scoring 35-plus points on Georgia. And I don't see Georgia scoring over 28 points on Bama. So what I'm going to end up doing is I'm probably going to end up hammering four, four and a half, whatever the best line I can get. I'm going to hope Georgia money comes in before kickoff. I'm going to hammer that. I'm probably going to hammer the over. Um, and that's what's going to be. And if Bama goes down early, I'm going to play them live like I always do, and I'm going to sweat it till the very end. But uh, that's my take on that game. I think it'll be, it'll be fascinating as we watch Saturday morning the developments and what reports you're going to – I'm sure Twitter's going to be fire talking about saving this, saving that, saving this, saving that. You're going to have a thousand reports on what's going on where, and this is me as a former football player speak, it's like coaches don't play the game, man. Players play the game. I think it it would be so much bigger. It it would be a bigger issue for Alabama if I hope Nick Saban's fine. I hope he beats COVID. We're going to put that out there. I think it would be a bigger issue for Alabama if Landon Dickerson were out at center or, I mean, I don't want to say Najee Harris. I mean, I, any of the, any five offensive linemen are out. I think that's the bigger problem. That would be a bigger issue for Alabama than Nick Saban being out as coach. Yes, he makes some great calls on fourth down. Sure, go for it. Don't go for it. Punt. Any of that stuff. I think adjustment-wise, he's very good on the fly. Um, but you got to think, like, when the ball is snapped, what does Nick Saban do? Yes, as a coach, and this is me being a junior high, junior high school coach speak, but a coach can put them in the right position, yes. But in the end, players got to make plays and make things happen. Yep, so, yep. Um, what we'll was just, it every coach says the day before the game? The haze in the barn. I mean, the yeah, preparation the they yeah. do is during the week, and then the haze in the barn and the players play the game. So, yeah. I don't see it in that big of a deal. Uh, any, other, any other picks you got? For college, uh, college wise, we'll do Friday Night Lights here shortly. And in a second, we we meandered on. We talked too damn too damn long about college football. That's fine. It's it's our passion. It's what we'll we'll, we'll clock in tomorrow morning about six thirty, and we'll keep grinding until about. 11. We'll go to work. That's we'll right. Work. NFL NFL picks. Give them to the people real quick. Let's ride. Uh, let's see quickly go through the board. We're not talking about the Falcons because they're dead to us. Uh, you're on the Panthers. You said earlier, man. I'm going to roll with the Bears. I don't know why. I just feel I feel the Panthers are down for a let. The Panthers have had three great games back to back to back, and I think they're up for a letdown here soon. I'm gonna roll with the Bears. Um, so you think the Panthers are due for a letdown, even though the Bears won on a fluke penalty that gave them the ball back against Buccaneers, a one percent chance to win in the comeback of the century against the god awful Falcons, and then I can't even remember how they won the first game of the year, but wasn't that a fluke too? Oh yeah. Against the freaking Lions, right? Didn't they have that insane comeback against the Lions and the Lions choked and then they missed a field goal or something? And then the other team they beat was the Giants and then they got their teeth stomped in by the Colts. I think the Bears are frauds. I think the Bears are maybe one of the worst 4 and one teams in the history of the NFL. Carolina's actually looking good. Matt Rule, candidate for coach of the year. I don't like the Panthers because I'm a Falcons fan, uh, but the line's already moved from three to one. I'm taking the Panthers' money line. Do you want to do like a doctrine of law bet between me and you, or do you want to just kind of let that me and you? Uh, we'll, we'll discuss let, it. We'll, we'll say let, let's, let's do let's do side bet. Let's do this. Salvatore's Sicilian <laughs> Pizza. Next ooh. time I come to Birmingham, loser pays. That sounds good. Uh, oh man, now oh man, 
I'm hungry. <laughs> we're talking about pork, and now we're talking about pizza. Good gosh. Uh, let's see here. Roll it real quick. Uh, Browns, Steelers, anything from there? Uh, how do you not take the Steelers right now? I, I mean, know. if that, that line's already come down from four to three and a half, if it goes to three, I'm going to take the Steelers. What about Ravens, Eagles, anything? No, Eagles, Eagles. Are, Eagles suck. Go Ravens. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play Eagles plus eight at home. I can't really? Quit them. Mm-hmm. Mm, I'm sorry to hear I that. Can't, I know. Yeah. I'm, it's going to be a loser, but I can't quit them. Eventually, they're going to cover a spread, and when they do, I'll make back 10% of the money I lost. What about Titans-Texans? I know you got to take on this one. Uh, Titans coming off a short week. Titans look really, really good against the Bills Tuesday night. Not Monday night, Tuesday night. Short week. Uh, Houston, for the first time, covers a spread and wins outright on Sunday. Uh, I'm going to roll with Texans, man. I think that the Titans sit at 4-0 right now. Uh, it's going to be tough. I, th- I think NFL is so so key on those rest days and recovering fully, and that's going to be tough for those guys. Um, I'm going to sit. I'm going to take the Houston's plus three and a half. I mean, it's Houston, Texas, three and a half. Uh, I'm also going to differ with you on this one. I think that uh, I, th- I would love to know the stat on teams who fired their coach. And then the next week covered the spread. I would love to know what they did against the spread the next week because I think that it probably it probably masks the fact that they're not a very good team. The fact that they come back and play well for their interim coach. Now they're going on the road against a team that's undefeated. Um, I'll be looking for the Titans. Uh, if it drops back down to minus three again, I'll take that. Um, but I'll probably take three and a half or maybe just buy the hook. Uh, but I'll be looking for Titans minus three. Very nice. Uh, big key matchup, Green Bay. One point favorite at the Tampa Bay Bucks uh, Sunday afternoon. Um, I'm probably gonna roll with Packers here. Yeah, money is pouring in on the Packers. Uh, from plus three to minus one, so I'll be taking the Packers here as well. Um, and I think the other one I want to look at. I know we're really kind of skimmed over the NFL, but college, I think college is our wheelhouse. The the, the freaking Dolphins are at eight. Excuse me, nine and a half point favorite <laughs> over the Jets. I think someone made had a stat. This is the first time that the Dolphins are more than a touchdown favorite in a game since the mid-90s. What? Some, it's some ridiculous stat. I don't know what it is. But they're playing the Jets. So are you are you going to lay – would you even think about laying any points here with the Jets? I mean, you know that there's nothing more that I love than the stink. I mean, I take bad dogs. Like, I, I get – I, I – I, I take bad dogs like I eat hot dogs. I mean, I just it's just a routine thing for me. Um, and the Jets are about as bad of a dog as you can get here. But here's the thing, dude. They're not going to go 0-16 against the spread. They're going to cover a spread eventually. If they get double digits on the road against the Dolphins, I'll bet the Dolphins. Yeah. <laughs> all that, all that buildup, there's no way I'm betting the Jets. Not this year. I'm not throwing away money on that. I'll throw away money on uh, something else, but I'm not throwing away money on that. All right, let's get out from NFL. Let's talk about the Friday Night Lights here. Uh, Houston taking on BYU. BYU has looked unstoppable. Houston's sitting at 1-0. Uh, had a great game after flopping around for the first quarter, first half against Tulane last week. Houston's a five-point underdog against BYU, uh, hosting them in Houston tonight. Uh, I took the Cougars, the Houston Cougars, at plus five. Um, it's kind of toward – the line's kind of toward right there with five. I think Houston's got some athletes. Um, BYU on the road. Uh, playing in front of fans for the first time this year. Uh, I think Houston's – Houston's, I think, can hang with them. I'll probably end up putting a little bit on the money line here with the Houston Cougars. You see anything from that one? Yeah, actually, funny you say that. So, I have already played Houston plus five. Um, I played Houston one plus 155 on the money line. Um, and then I'm going to play SMU minus six and a half, and I'm going to play the over in both games tonight. That's kind of how I see things. I think Tulane, I don't know where they get off, only get only – you know, SMU only having to lay six and a half points on the road. That went up to seven after I took six and a half. Um, I don't really understand that. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in both games. So I think it'll be fun. Curl up on a Friday night with the baby girl and my wife and uh, hope for a Braves win in game five and uh, pull for some points and some, uh, well, I guess on a dog in the Houston game. But, yeah, I mean, Houston looked really good last week. I think this Clayton Toon kid can ball out. He's way more mobile than I thought he was. Um, BYU, first time they're playing like a legit road game, I guess. Um, you know, and they haven't really been tested. And I mean, honestly, I, I thought UTSA would cover 35 last week, but golly, I didn't think they would play them that close. So maybe that was a look ahead spot for BYU. Um, but I think that Houston is better than five points, um, you know, within uh, BYU. And I think they can win the game on the field. So 
that that was my plays on these. And then I'm going to also play probably a parlay and a teaser taking Houston, SMU, and both overs. Good for you, man. I'm taking Tulane. I think SMU's lost a lot. This week. <laughs> <laughs> How do you like, like that like that transition? Um, I think that SMU has lost their top two production guys on offense due to injury. So he SMU's down a lot, down some big time points. Um, yes, Tulane's a bunch of frauds now. It'd be good, but uh, consider the Greenway hanging around. We'll love for it to get to seven before I actually grab it at six and a half right now, which is a really tough number. Um, let's give a. Uh, College football wise, my under part of our let's do a little parlay here. I'll pick two underdogs, you pick two underdogs, and let's uh see if we can get get some winners this weekend. Or underdogs, round robins, anything you want to call. Um one of my underdogs on the money line is gonna be the Mr. State Bulldogs, man. Like we talked about, I think they got a shot this weekend to give A and all they want. I like that one a lot. Um one that I will throw out at you, you know, I, I like to take some of these big dogs. Um I know you're going to hate this. I know you're going to take this. You already know where I'm going. You know know you're going to hate this. But, dude, UTSA is going to be a live dog at home against Army this week, especially if that quarterback, Frank, whatever his name is, plays. He didn't play last week. Dude, if he plays, they are live dogs at home. I know they're catching eight points against Army. I don't like them enough to – I'm not going to I'm not going to take points against Army. I'm not going I'm not I'm not brazen enough to do that. But uh UTSA will be in my round robin parlay. They've looked really good this year. They played a legit game against BYU on the road last week. Um so UTSA they're a live dog in San Antonio against Army. Who else you got? Uh another one man, they're not really, like you said large dogs. Uh probably going to be one of, one of the ones we already talked about. Um man, I was going to say Western Kentucky but they they suck. They were they killed they They're so bad they, dude. they killed killed me last week, and then we talked about how North Texas isn't that good. Man, North Tennessee State's a six point favorite against anybody is. Oh, ridiculous. you're gonna take my dog. You're gonna take I'm, my I'm dog. Not, I'm not. I'm not taking him. I'm not taking him. Do it. Do it. Um, no, I'm not going to take him. I'm just going to be. Um, dude, let's roll with. Oh gosh, the board sucks so bad. It's so bad. It's his close. It's his close dogs. So you can't really make a little bit off of. Um, just go with South Carolina Gamecocks, man. Just add it in there because we because we hate Auburn anyway. So go take your dog. Uh, take your dog. Uh, so I'm gonna put North Texas in there, and I know we talked last week when we took Charlotte about why we don't take North Texas because they will completely shut down on you. Um, but dude, why is why is Middle Tennessee favored against anybody? Like, why is this in the game not pick them? I don't understand who decided that Middle Tennessee State should be a six-point favorite over anybody. I'll probably be taking the points with North Texas. I'll probably put North Texas in the money line parlay. Um, and uh, you got any other dogs? Because if not, I got a couple more. You roll, Big Cat. All right. Well, here's the deal. We already said that we're probably going to throw South Carolina in there. We're probably going to throw North Texas in there. Um, we said that we're probably going to throw – who State. were our other ones? U- Mississippi, uh, Mississippi State. We're probably going to throw UTSA in there. I'm probably going to throw Kentucky in there against Tennessee on the road. Um, I'm, I might throw Houston in there tonight, although I don't usually put these in until Saturday morning. And then here's one that I got for you, which, I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to play Boston College dog this week. I already said I like Virginia Tech. I'm throwing Florida State in there. I'm throwing Florida State at home against North Carolina in there. And the reason is this. They're in the ACC every year. There is a Clemson-NC State game two or three years ago whenever they upset them when Clemson was number two in the country. There's a game where somebody in the ACC just absolutely comes out flat and gets their ass beat by a team that has no no business being on the same field as them. And I think it's going to happen in Tallahassee. It's a Saturday night game. I've already said I kind of like Florida State catching 14 points. I mean, it's it's a round-robin parlay, so all it can do is make a three-team parlay into a four-team parlay and pay out a shitload more money for not that much if you're talking about putting one or two dollars on each combination. So I'm going to throw them Florida State into the round-robin parlay, and uh, hopefully we close out Saturday night with a huge dog. Very nice one, man. It's, good. it's a good episode, strong episode. You got anything else to add? Uh, I think that's it. Just uh, we don't like Denny Hamlin, and uh, we pull him for Clint Boyer at NASCAR race on Sunday. And uh, let's go, Xander. That's all I got. Good stuff, man. Folks, always remember, life's like a sandwich. No matter which way you flip it, the bread comes first.
Say if it's too late for me 